hear that you think that you published a book Said it's not a big deal, all you need is a hook Then you lie about your age so you don't seem dated A call from your agent and boom, you made it So sorry we think you're a liar, we're older and wiser Hello everyone and a welcome to Older and Wiser A podcast about all things publishing in Younger I'm your host, Marissa Cantor, and with me, as always, is Kelsey Rodkey. Hey, Kelsey. I'm Marissa. How are you? I am doing all right. How are you? I'm also doing all right. Unfortunately, the people listening to this cannot see my glasses set up where I have two pairs of glasses on, but they'll just have to imagine it. Yeah, the blue light filters are very necessary these days. I feel like I have my blue light glasses. I also have night light on on the screens. So just like pure yellow is how it's got to be. <laughs> Otherwise, it's default mode. Yes. <laughs> so what are you reading these days? You know, I am not, which is a bummer. Um, I'm starting to get into drafting a new project. And When I'm in drafting mode, my reading just inherently declines. However, I know that this podcast is coming out, you know, a little bit later, but at the time of recording this, Always and Forever, the third to all the boys movie just came out. So I watched that pretty much immediately, like neglected work Friday morning, turned it on and just cried all day. (laughs) Like that was my experience. Have you seen it yet? I watched it last night. Um... Yeah, <laughs> I watched it. <laughs> I, I I really don't remember much about the actual second and third books. So I'm fine just being like politely satisfied with those two movies. I still feel that the first one is the best. Um, I think mostly because I feel like that one has a plot. <laughs> and then the, the other two are kind of just like very aesthetic and cute actors but I, I liked it and I I'm from Pennsylvania but <laughs> I really liked seeing New York and it made me miss all my friends that used to live in New York and now don't so I mean I imagine that made you very nostalgic I hear you on the plot like this was very much just like <laughs> college feelings and life decisions but the anxiety of it all really took me back to that same place when Lara Jean walked through Washington Square Park and just like knew that was where she was supposed to be. I had an almost identical experience when I was in high school and that was just a little too, too close. I was not prepared to be attacked like that. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, like you said, it was just like a lot of like college feels. It was a lot of emotions in this third movie. And you've said this before that you're just so happy that (laughs) Laura Jean got to have her college and her guy. And that is a really great message to have in that final movie. She didn't dwell on it too much, right? Like once she decided she was going to go, she was going. Yeah, she was very confident that she needed to go there. And I loved it. I loved all of the things about it. Seeing New York, like 2019 New York, it really just like the, the loss of this past year just really hit home for me, too. I think that that was a huge part of it. Yeah. It's bizarre to see on film. And seeing all the class of 2021 stuff that they were doing, the prom, the graduation, and just thinking about high school kids watching it and not getting to experience any of that again this year is just so bittersweet. Definitely. 
But yes, I just loved it. I'm like back on my Noah Centineo bullshit for a week and then I'll be fine. I was going to join you there, but then I went to his Instagram <laughs> and I was like, no. That's what I do too. He's still it's- a little odd. <laughs> Like, you think you like him because of those movies, and then it's like, no. (laughs) Yeah, then you remember that, like, no, he's just the perfect Peter Kay, and, like, that's it. Yeah, the writers did a great job, you know, transferring book Peter to movie Peter, and he did a good job just executing what they they provided to him. Yeah, and just making him better. Yeah, they they made him better, and I think it's also of the time more, I'd say. Yeah. Lots of happy feelings. Oh my god! When I like me better started to play and like yeah. the the animation, that whole thing, I was just like, oh god, they're doing this. <laughs> just gonna... yeah. And honestly, just the fact that they like brought it full circle to New York, <laughs> like the lyrics say, was really nice. But I like that <laughs> you're not reading, but you watch that, and then <laughs> what I'm reading was. <laughs> Darling Rose Gold, which is like a fictionalized version of the abuse that happened to Gypsy Rose Blanchard. And it's just like you go from one end of like happy, nice spectrum and then me to like, by the way, this story is really dark. dark. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was it was very good. I listened to it on audiobook. That's the only way I can read right now is audiobook because I'm drafting too. And I can't I can't read kind of period. But also I can't read something that's in the same genre. So I have to go like very (laughs) menacing right now if I'm trying to write a rom-com. Yeah, that's been my struggle with reading too. And I thought that since I'm writing adult right now, I could still get away with YA. But all I generally read in YA is romance. So now I'm like, maybe I should read some middle grade or just go like full literary adult. I don't know. I need books or I can just write my book like that could just happen also (laughs) yeah but it feels like that's hard (laughs) I mean you wouldn't think so uh, by watching younger so (laughs) we need whatever they're doing in our lives because you know Kelsey and Liza read through that 4,000 page manuscript in like a single night (laughs) how long do you think it took that guy to write that book not long enough. <laughs> Probably, yeah. He 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 could have written it a little bit longer to realize it didn't need to be written. Because still, no one seems to know what the book's about. Well, so we got like a little we got a little kernel of it from what Kelsey's interpretation was. Um, but we'll get into that. Um today on Older and Wiser, we are going to be discussing Season 1, Episode 3, IRL. In this episode, Liza struggles with the anxiety of sex with Josh and gets a little help from Maggie. At work, Kelsey pulls out all the stops to land a hot new author, while Diana dips her toe into the online dating pool. I mean, that's the episode. Like, <laughs> Exactly what I was going to say. There's really nothing else to it. It was an episode. It was an episode. It was, it was a bridge between episode two and episode four like it was just a lot it was, a, it was purely filler yeah it was like a, a day in the life kind of a thing almost the the only thing that really felt like it moved the whole story along I guess was what happened between Liza and Josh 
because she was going to tell him about her age and then <laughs> decided she wasn't going to do that. So this was kind of like that moment where she's standing at the edge of the cliff and decides to dive in and go fully into this lie. And honestly, crossing that line, that like intimacy line, kind of makes it hard to come back from that if she were to be found out or if she wanted to come clean. So I think that adds a lot of tension and stakes. But other than that, there was not much happening in the episode. Yeah, this was a big Liza and Josh episode. It was, you know, the you know what's coming. You know that like they're on the precipice of sex, but we can't get them there too quickly. So let's just throw, let's add some will she, won't she, even though it's pretty clear that she will. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I did like that um, Diana's storyline was kind of this weird alternate universe version of Liza. You know, they're both 40-something women trying to get out there on the dating scene and you have <laughs> Liza lying about her age to be with a younger man. And then you have Diana who was honest <laughs> and she ended up getting catfished. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, be happy and lie as opposed to be honest and wind up on a date with like a 16-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know that is that was so weird. That was such a those like yeah. choices were made. Yeah, honestly, if he had been a little older, I would have been like, yes, let I want this boy to be like Diana's sidekick, <laughs> like just amping her up all the time. But it was yeah. like a weird choice to make him clearly under twenty one. Yes, I agree, <laughs> but at least Diana knows her age boundaries, whereas Liza <laughs> does not. <laughs> Yeah, Liza's like, if I lie about it, it's okay. This episode was also, um, along with the theme of, you know, Liza building up to that point of being intimate with Josh, it was also really important for her to kind of let go of her past life. We see an encounter with her ex-husband. She is selling all of her shit from her house. So I guess the more I think about it, that I guess that was really the heart of the episode, right? Like Liza needs to let go of her old life before she can fully dive in to the lie. Yeah, that's a, a great point. Uh, that story kind of goes with the Josh story, I'd say. I'd say any of the ex-husband stuff directly relates to whomever Liza is with at that moment, which in this case would be Josh. But uh, yeah, that's a great connection that I hadn't really thought of. I kind of just felt like it was misplaced at the moment, but I see now <laughs> how it obviously connects. They do a really good job of making him just look like a total dirtbag, right? Like, oh, you got this. Bye. Leaves her with the tab. For the My note literally says ex-husband David, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> how are you with him for 22 years? And how did she not know that he was like that. I just don't know how you, you don't notice that, but I, I suppose, you know, that happens to people every day. Yeah. So that happens. And instead of, you know, giving it all for pretty much nothing to the seller who quoted her, she sells it in Brooklyn because that's Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, I liked that. Just like give it to the give hipsters. Give it to the hipsters. At the Brooklyn Flea. And it was so funny because I was watching it. My mom is watching along with me. And she was like, that looks like Dumbo. And I was like, 
mom, that is Dumbo. I love that she like knew that. She recognized yes. it. <laughs> and then back to Josh, you know, she is so nervous to have sex with him. She is self-conscious about her 40-year-old body. She is just like, she hasn't had sex in two years. So like, I guess she just forgot how, like just lots of anxiety happening here. I think that once again, Josh came off as just like a really great stand-up guy. I mean, they were all excited thinking that it was going to happen. And then she passed out and he just puts a blanket over her. You know, like I know the bar is so low, but (laughs) Josh maintains, you know, his status of being a good guy. And I I feel like they just have Nico and uh, Sutton have such great chemistry uh, on the screen that it just seems like it would be a really genuinely loving, fun relationship. It's just totally uh, viable. I believe it. I agree. It's like they can be talking about nothing and it's still so charming and fun to watch. They seem like they're just so interested in each other. Yeah. And I think that's that's a really sweet aspect of romances that you don't often see. I think a lot of shows or movies are trying to rush to the parts that seem dramatic and big. But like you said, they could just talk about nothing and it would be very enjoyable to watch and it would feel very real. So then she goes back after the flea to tell him the truth, but then doesn't happen. Oops. No, my my notes say considers telling Josh she's 40, but wants the D too bad. <laughs> she just she just can't help it. She is and just honestly so she has 40. that conversation. Yeah, she has that conversation with Maggie either this episode or the next, where she just says, like, but I just wanted to have sex so bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which she admits to that making her a monster, but um it's, it doesn't make her a monster, but I mean, that's kind of the only reason you didn't tell him. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think that that is there anything else on like the relationship side to talk about? I really think this was a big Liza and Josh. There's stuff going on with Kelsey, but not really about in terms of her relationship with Liza. I put that more in the publishing section. Yeah. My only note was that it was really nice to see um, that Diana was showing like her vulnerable side to Liza by having her like help her with the dating profile, mm-hmm. which I just think is just so sweet. Yeah, I don't know. Diana gets such a bad, bad rap. And she's not, she's not bad. Kelsey's just such a brat. She's honestly like, you know, making me hate my name because when <laughs> I watch this, I'm just like, Kelsey, why? <laughs> But yeah, so I I liked Diana bringing Liza into her personal life a little bit more there. It shows that she she trusts her. Totally. I think that it took the writers a few seasons, honestly, to figure out what to do with Diana. And I like her development over time. But I agree with you. In the beginning, she's just kind of like the shrill like representation of this is what it's like when you're old. And it's just like... Yeah, definitely. And and they also... The consistency isn't completely there with her character in this first season, like at least so far. Um, She goes very back and forth between being kind of condescending to Liza because of her age and then being like in desperate need of her help. (laughs) 
Like they, they go from, you know, hot and cold with how Diana feels about Liza at that point in time. It, it is fun to watch, but not quite consistent. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And um, I feel like I have to say still no Charles to be seen. Yeah, I really thought he came in at least the third episode. Um, Does he go, go to work? Where like, is he? <laughs> we get a lot of scenes exactly at empirical <laughs> he's just nowhere to be found yeah and uh, another interesting thing about that is you see all these other these other employees but like what are they doing who are they <laughs> we only know diana kelsey and liza and then charles but he apparently doesn't come in until like halfway through the first season which is interesting because there was this bit of i don't know if i want to call it advice but like i had heard people say like when you're writing a romance that the first <laughs> the first guy that comes on the page is often the romantic lead. He's the hero. It's the first guy that the <laughs> the woman speaks to. And in this one, in this case, it, it is that way, but it's also not. We really kind of have to wait and work for Charles as he, I don't know, takes a vacation where <laughs> wherever he is. He's taking a marriage <laughs> vacation. Possibly. Is he getting divorced? Like that could <laughs> Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> I don't I don't know how like Liza can be employed for two, three weeks and have not met or even seen or heard of the publisher. Yeah, like no one even talks about him in passing. He just like doesn't exist right now. Yeah, and I feel like later down the line, Diana has kind of like a crush on Charles at some point. And it now that I've seen these first couple episodes and he's not there, I'm kind of thinking they threw that in. They just were like, what if? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so interesting to me. So if we go off of that, you know, the first guy thing, can we confidently say that Liza and Josh are endgame? I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> I I fully think that will happen eventually, especially with how the, the last season that aired ended, but we'll see. But I say yes. Let's let's claim it. Are you ready to talk about some publishing things? Yeah, there wasn't much to talk about. It's pretty much like Kelsey's world and we're just living in it. So let's let's talk about Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey in this episode is on a mission to sign the Swedish author. I mean, did we get his name in the last episode? The name just like hit me in this episode. Um, Anton Bjornberg. I think they said it at least once okay. in the previous episode. But yeah, I mean, she interchangeably calls him like Bjornberg or the Swede. Which is kind of weird in a professional aspect. Yeah, she's she's on a mission to get him. Yeah, his agent wants him to sign with Knopf, but Kelsey is going to pursue him. Which, okay, so in the previous episode, Kelsey said that Knopf gave him an offer, right? Yes. Okay, and this is days, possibly a week later. She's going to... <laughs> try and poach him at his reading but she doesn't have an offer prepared and she doesn't have permission to even give him an offer no that's what was so interesting to me is like the last episode kind of made it seem like the swede was over and i totally forgot that this is like a running plot line this season oh i did not forget i hate this plot line so much <laughs> it just drives me insane because it's so unprofessional and it's um i watched both episodes back to back again 
So they're blending together. I can't remember, but Kelsey, this is like her first acquisition, I think she says, which I find strange, but she goes about it in the weirdest way. Yes. And then it just goes downhill from there. Yes. And all of the downhill is in episode four. Episode three ends with like, we'll take a meeting, we'll talk. But yeah, she goes to his reading, which is in Swedish. So she's just sitting at the Swedish reading. I mean, can I just say that for someone who's supposed to read professionally, like as their job, this is something that they do all the time. Kelsey did not seem to read the information about this reading very well because she's very surprised that it's all in Swedish when she gets there. She really is. And then she is able to poach him after the reading and get him to, um, they go to a bar where she, hold on, I wrote this down because it was just so ridiculous, like what the book's about or what Kelsey thinks the book's about. Um, And she says that it's about indignity. We start getting our ass wiped. We end our life getting our ass wiped and we chase money in between. That sounds like a fucking terrible book. And when you see physically (laughs) how big it is, (laughs) why? Why does Kelsey, of all people, want to acquire that book? The only reason she wants to is because, one, she thinks he's hot, and two, she just thinks that it's, like, supposed to be a good book. You can fully tell she doesn't buy it. Yeah. She is wild about it, though. Wild. And I feel like the way she pitches herself, too, she's like, I know that I don't have a lot of experience, but that's a good thing. Yeah, she was she was essentially like talking herself down. And I had made a note of that, too. Like this pitch is going terribly like for one, you um, shoo away whoever he was speaking to at the reading with a lie. (laughs) And then you're making these flirty eyes with him and then you go to a bar with him. It just feels inappropriate from the start and um, definitely unprofessional. Just Kelsey, what are you doing? And since this is really the only publishing point in the episode, I think, and we're already starting to critique, I think this is sort of just bleeding into our next segment. But yeah, the unprofessionalism happening. Where is Anton's agent in all of this? Like Sweden. <laughs> or was that his agent who introduced him and that Kelsey chased away, maybe? Maybe. I feel like later on he's probably with the one agent that everyone in New York knows that hasn't been introduced on the show yet. <laughs> he's probably, probably represented yeah. by that guy. <laughs> But yes, authors, you should never just take a meeting with an editor without your representation either present or like setting it up. I literally told a friend yesterday when when they asked, like, should I copy my agent on this email to my editor? I was like, yes. (laughs) It was just a simple question. But yes, imagine. Yeah. Imagine taking a meeting. That makes me feel like Anton did not actually take her seriously from the start that he didn't think like oh I should set this up through my agent she should have like I don't know permission to be giving me this offer have it written down you know he doesn't take her seriously and then it just continues that way in in my opinion yeah I just don't know why this like white Swedish man has so much power in American publishing also or just like in general I don't know like my experience so far as an American author who has had a couple of foreign deals is that I 
I'm so far removed from that process. So it's just like baffling to me. Yeah. You get an email that says your rights sold in this country. That's yeah, like, like it. I am not <laughs> involved at all. And I think th- this is going to bleed into the next episode. So I'll save my thoughts on translations and all of that for episode four. But yeah, authors are usually not involved at all in any of this. Yeah, they shouldn't be <laughs> negotiating for themselves or like. Yeah, I'll take this meeting at this bar at 11 p.m., you know. It's just a little sketched. For sure. Yeah, my other note in this section is just kind of like, I wrote like, where is Charles? Where is an acquisitions meeting? Just like, where is anything? <laughs> like, Yeah, honestly, I it, it's a note I had for the next episode where I was just like, is in charge of Kelsey. <laughs> who who does she report to? Because she's just going rogue, it looks like. Yeah, she is a junior editor. Where is any senior editor's editorial director? Like where is the team? Yeah, completely. It, uh, she just There's no collaboration. You know, she's she's running the publisher. She's running <laughs> she's running the whole imprint um cuz Charles isn't there. She does what she wants. Yeah, a 26-year-old is keeping empirical afloat. <laughs> yes. So those are my main points. It's just like, where's the agent? Where is acquisitions? This doesn't happen to translation deals. <laughs> like, yeah, so the, the publishing plotline was very slim this episode, and it was very... It felt like the writers were like, okay, well, we got to get from point A to point B, and, you know, this is how we're going to do it. <laughs> and then... Just fast forward. It's fine. Definitely. So I think that that pretty much sums up all of our thoughts on season one, episode three, IRL. Um, there wasn't a lot to unpack, really. Like like we've said, this is kind of like a let's get let's get Liza fully, fully in her life in the lie. So we must award a six figure advance before we go. Every time I forget. <laughs> But it's fine because you know what? I think that they give the same amount of time and thought to who they give real (laughs) six-figure advances to as I am probably. This episode, I am going to give the six-figure advance to Josh. I think this episode was really all about Josh and Liza. I think that Josh continues to be an adorable, unproblematic himbo. And their chemistry, like we've talked about, is just so apparent and so fun to watch and he's really trying you know like <laughs> he is trying so hard and i respect that yeah i i'm actually just going to agree <laughs> and echo everything you said he's just he's a wholesome boy <laughs> i feel like just you know despite the tattoos he, like he looks a certain way he looks like the bad boy obviously and then you know he opens his mouth and he's just a golden retriever. He He's the perfect guy to bring home to mom and dad. And he's also the perfect guy to just be one-on-one with, I think. He, he is a big factor in why this episode worked as a filler, I'd say. So, yeah, definitely. He gets that six-figure advance. Yeah. Don't spend it all in one place. I mean, honestly, shame on us for giving it to a white man. But, like... <laughs> he deserves it 
But I mean, what are our other options for no people of color on this show? At this point. Cool. So that's a wrap on episode three of Older and Wiser. And before we go, as always, we are going to give a quick podcast shout out. And this week, we are going to shout out the podcast Write or Die. Write or Die is a podcast that aims to share the real stories about what it takes to become an author. The gritty, infuriating, pull your hair out because it's been years stories of writers who didn't give up despite it all and are now living out their dreams. It's hosted by authors Clarabelle Ortega and Kat Cho and releases every other Monday. I listen to this podcast every week. I really enjoy hearing the uh, stories of just how all of the authors that I love to read and really respect what it takes to get there. And I mean, you hear the overnight success stories, but publishing is a long haul and it is it is not younger. It is not. And <laughs> this podcast is um, a perfect example of that and those stories. Now we are closing the book on this episode of Older and Wiser. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OlderWiserCast. I'm at Marissa Cantor on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Kelsey Rodkey on Twitter and at KRodK on Instagram. Also available to check out under the paginated media umbrella is the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast hosted by myself and Sam Chung every Tuesday. And tomorrow, Sam Chung, Ivan Vukovic, and Carlin Greenwald are back with another episode of Crowning Around, where they will be recapping the film Hyde Park on Hudson. Be sure to tune in next week when Kelsey and I are back recapping Younger Season 1, Episode 4, The Exes. We'll see you next Wednesday to continue our discussion of all things publishing on Younger. The end. (laughs) 